0: This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the From the Back Tease podcast, a podcast that is from the back tees. I'm your co-host Jerry Lee, and joining me as always is our founder head M.H.,
1: I I forgot what that acronym is, uh, in charge, Zach Pencer. Zach, how you doing today, buddy? I'm doing pretty good. How about you? I'm all right. Don't nobody
0: worry about me. So uh, we got some good responses uh, from our tweets about uh, off-season golf topics to discuss, because hell, if you're looking forward to the President's Cup, that's in December,
1: I'm told. So We got got some time. Yeah, not to the Solheim Cup,
0: but until the West Coast Swing starts, I forget that there's PGA Tour after like like August or, or what was the PGA Championship. The, to me the PJ Championship used to wrap up the year. So
1: Yeah, it's a bit weird now with the schedule chains, but we'll take it. Overall I think what, it was pretty good.
0: Speaking of, what did you think of the tour championship and the results?
1: It blew me away with how much better it worked out than I thought. I thought you'd get a couple guys at the top, and maybe uh, after reconsidering it, it sort of makes sense that it'll work, because unless the guy in oh, yeah. first really runs away, you should have pretty close at the top and a bunch of guys. And you had <laughs> the top two and the guy who played really well all tournament as the final three.
0: Oh yeah, a hundred percent agree with you. I mean, it's I'm looking at the scores here, and just I remember from what I caught, it's just I remember I was trepidatious. We'll see how it happens. We'll see how it goes, etc., so forth, and. Uh, and we'll see if it takes time to sink in. I think because it didn't mess anything up and everyone's pretty happy with the result, it was a resounding success. I mean, like we were mentioning earlier uh, before we started the show, uh, Tiger won the Tour Championship last year, but he did not win the FedEx Cup. That's a big difference. And this year, with Rory winning it the way he did, having a great year like he did, just with no majors, I mean, I like to think that this is like Isn't Rory and Ricky Fowler the same age or something? I mean, it's like they're just now about to hit their 30s for golf right now. I mean, Rory's got some more majors in him, absolutely. He's just – he's been hovered a little bit. But we will also be touching back to that, I'm sure, talking about the FedEx Cup Championship and the Tour Championship due to one of our Twitter questions from one of our staff members, actually. Uh, But we'll get to that later. Um, Straight off the top, I wanted to uh, uh, say congratulations
1: on Phil Mickelson tweeting – uh, the account. Yeah, that was a big moment. Pretty cool to see Phil Mickelson reply to you. I'm so happy that Phil
0: has found Twitter, but at the same time part of me is like, well this is like this could turn into like OJ finding Twitter or something where it's just like, nah, no, we don't want any of this. Like this is too much. I mean so far he's provided good content, but part of me is like, well I don't know if he he's he also is like tipping his hand to, to lunacy. I
1: can't tell. <laughs> could he keep it up? He answers so many people, it seems. Or he goes on stretches of answering everyone. Well, it's
0: usually it's probably when he's sitting, riding in a car, or sitting at the airport, or something like that. I mean, that's that's kind of was always the thing I liked the most about uh, Twitter was it's the randomness. It's not if you had the best question or whatever. It's if you just happen to catch somebody at a moment. That's why usually when I get on Twitter, I will just ask questions as I think of them because I don't know if that person is like happens because if you're a big time celebrity or whatever, you get like bombarded with messages and tweets on a minutely basis. And so it's not going to... I bet they have their notifications turned off. Like, they don't have... A yeah, you have every to. Every time they pinged or whatever. That being said, um, I like to catch people, like, just, like, real quick when they're in a stretch of answering a lot of things, I'll just throw something in there. I'll be like, oh, my uh, Vinnie Tortorich is on Twitter right now. Let me ask him
1: about, like, what is better, bacon or sausage? I mean, That's what I did. That's how I ended up with the response of Google it, because I just tried to come up with a question very fast.
0: He could've been he could have been yeah, you you were funny but uh but he could have been he could have been funnier.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know. I just wanted a response, so I had to come up with a question. Well, you you done good, kid. <laughs> <laughs> done good. And no, you done good. Yeah, I know. Okay. Like sorry. like fucking A <laughs> Fucking A. Watch Thank the you, movie? Great <laughs> movie.
0: Oh so uh earlier this week, um while Zach and I were texting back and forth I just texted flatly "fucking a," like no capital A, no no period, no grammar grammatical what have you, and then and I was uh, I was quoting <clears throat> uh, uh, what's his name Lawrence um, uh, Peters' uh, neighbor in office space, uh, the construction worker who he just he just always says "fucking a." That's just like that's just this thing he says. <laughs> And that led to Zach telling me, oh, I hadn't seen Office Space yet. And that's that's way more egregious than goddamn Wayne's World. You can go through your whole life without watching Wayne's World, but Office Space, that one is probably sc- ensconced in my permanent top 10 movies all time just for how awesome it is and how quotable it is. I mean.
1: Yeah, it was actually an incredible movie. I never even Zach, heard of it.
0: Zach gave it an 8.7 out of 10, and I didn't argue that. That's a very high score, so,
1: I mean. A very good Bryce movie. Should,
0: should be in the nines, but I probably wouldn't give it a. A 9.5, 9.6, I mean, it's up there.
1: Oh, I'm it's a very airtight, low score.
0: Well, as we should be, but I mean, it's it's a, as, well, now that you've seen it, everyone out there within the uh, sound of our voices has seen Office Space, I'm sure, and they would all agree that it is a very airtight, very good movie, so. Very good. Do you, uh, but do you like any other Mike Judge's works, like Beavis and Butthead or
1: Idiocracy? Not really. I've watched Beavis and Butthead a few times, but not the biggest fan
0: it was, it's an, int- that's an interesting cartoon, I, I enjoyed Beavis and Butthead immensely growing up because it was the show that my parents wouldn't let me watch, like, my dad would wa- wouldn't would let me watch it because, like, you know, religious overtones of my grandparents, but then there was my mom when I go see her where she's like, hey, you can watch that, you can do whatever, and, uh, essentially, <laughs> I remembered the cartoon sketches, like, the storyline in between them roasting the music videos and critiquing the music videos was actually pretty flimsy, like, they could have just had a half hour of them watching music videos and bullshitting. That, it actually, that actually was pretty good. It was pretty funny. I mean, and then uh, the movie Idiocracy, I think I've told you about it before. It's another Mike Judge vehicle. It's kind of a B-list movie, but it's full of A-list actors. And the reason why I asked my golf today, I'm like, you seen Idiocracy? He's like, you're the second person in four days to ask me that. And I'm like, yeah, because well, every month this planet exists, we're creeping towards this, like, Jim Short-wearing, Gatorade-swilling... Barely have any language. Always masturbating and shitting at the same time. I mean, you gotta watch it. It's a
1: good movie. I'll watch it. <laughs> so, um, anyways, yeah, and also uh, Dumblefor he got a uh, he got tweeted uh, from Phil. I forgot what did he say uh, or what what did Phil say to him? Uh, It was it was a short answer. I'm not even sure exactly what he said. I could get it for it. you if you uh, go on a bit of a tangent.
0: Well, the tangent I'll go on is cracking cold one here. From uh, Hop Valley. I'm having an alphadelic IPA. Hop Valley is a really nice brewery in Bend, Oregon. Bend, Oregon is in Central Oregon, United States of America, and it's uh, the bullseye of the state, essentially. And they make a lot of good beer. They make a abandoned pale ale that's called Bandon Pale Ale. What do you got, Zach?
1: So, Dumble4 said, We're now living in a world where Phil Mickelson is a fitness icon on tour, Tiger averages a major championship and surgery year, and Brooks gets body shame for his SI picks. Can't call it, man. Can't and call good. it. Phil's answer? Yep. <laughs> Phil
0: could just, like, crank those off. Like, I was reading it to the point, like, reading the timeline of the tweets to the point where I'm like, Oh my god, did Phil just answer him? Just casually? Just like that? Is that the same at Phil Mickelson? mean... Good for, hey, good for you guys, man. That's that's fun stuff.
1: Yeah, any answer is a good answer if it's coming from Phil. And speaking of uh, uh,
0: potential trolls or uh, Twitter sensations uh, be damned, I just found out within the past hour while I was waiting for us to record uh, that I guess, yeah, Peter Kessler, I'm just going to get to the end of it, has a new uh, publicist or something like that, or representative, because... He has unblocked a ton of people, and lots of people are liking my tweet that I just put... I put not in me, sadly. <laughs> uh, but anyways, uh, it doesn't it doesn't mean dick. I mean, I found out if you Google P- Peter Kessler Twitter, you can read his tweets. I mean, it's not impossible. And he wasn't even talking about us, so I mean, if he was talking to other people, fucking whatever. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm scared for Peter Kessler for his own sake, and I'm even more scared for anyone who considers themselves a fan. This was kind of like, like I said, you brought the beehive into the house, Zach. I didn't care about bees, now I hate bees. Thanks. Thanks a lot.
1: <laughs> I wonder what he was thinking, though. If he, per- I just picture him personally unblocking you and being like, that fucking Zach, fucking Tucker. But Jerry, eh, I'll let him read my tweets. <laughs> like, <laughs> or maybe, maybe Peter just has, like, a real short list of,
0: like, when the representative was going to clean things up. He's like, yeah, but not that Tucker guy. Not that, not that front of that That's Those wounds are still fresh. For
1: sure,
0: Peter Kessler, if you're hearing this, I do. I, I'm actually very happy you unblocked me. I'm possibly thinking about mending a uh, mending a fence here and uh, and uh, building some bridges over that fence. And that I would like to say, no matter what, how everything has turned out so far, thank you. He has gotten a, us a few more extra eyeballs and traffic to our website and our entity. And he even called that. He said that. He said we were going to get a little. He's like, it's like if you're looking for a little publicity boost, here it is. It's just like I. We that are. That- thought was happening. Yeah, that's what I thought was happening at the time. I'm like, well, that's the best thing can happen is maybe this will get as high as ESPN, but he, Peter Kessler feuds don't pop up on the news ever, so. it's
1: exactly what we are doing. Perfect.
0: Oh, uh, Guy Stacy just replied to me, unblocked me too, bit disappointed, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> What's the world coming to? We're all getting
1: along, dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria. It was a tight-knit group of people blocked by Peter Kessler, and now you're not part of it. You won't yeah, be invited just, to our meetings. Now I'm just, like,
0: one of those, like, background people in the suits in the Matrix or whatever. Just, like, wearing all the gray when everyone else is wearing gray. I just blend back into the <laughs> crowd. We need to, like, piss off Randall Chamblee. Yes. So
1: honestly, I, Him.
0: I don't mind like, That would like be a good cold. guy
1: to get blocked by.
0: Nah, no. I would actually be upset to be b- blocked by Brandall Chambley because watching him interact and watching him just say things is very entertaining. That's like, true. That's, and to be fair, I guess the reason why I don't talk shit to Brandall Chamley ever is because I agree with more than half the stuff he says in the first place. I mean, got, folks, I'm a Johnny Miller guy too. I'm sorry, you might not like him. P- screw it. The guy just... The guy I love just Johnny crazy. Miller. Oh. Oh, no, Jesus. Pause. Tucker, Tucker just sent me... No, it's okay. Tucker just sent me interesting something interesting on Twitter... I don't know if it's a joke, but we're gonna check it out right now.
1: Quality radio. Uh, I like this.
0: Uh, that said, Peter Kessler died February fifth, eighteen sixty-two. Oh, it's a it's a joke. From an old tombstone. Jesus, Pete. You people are sick. Um. Anyway, so I don't know. I going back to the brandle Chandley thing. It's like he actually since I agree with more than half the stuff he says, I don't feel the need to poke at him because it's like, well, he doesn't know who I am, and I like his material, so it's there's no reason, you know, we're just
1: both driving on our own streets. I mean... Do you think he believes most of what he says, or deep down he has, like, a burner account where he, like, loves every single thing Brooks Kepka says and, like, retweets it all? I
0: sincerely believe that Randall Chambly is 100% transparent in who he is. I don't think that's,
1: and there's any... Uh, any, I don't think policy is the right word or whatever. But, or really, I think it's more of a Max Kellerman thing, like how he always says Tom Brady's going to suck this year. I feel like that's Brandel Chambly coming after Brooks Kepka. But deep down, he yeah, like likes well, him.
0: See, if, if there was more of a variety of golf personalities out there, maybe. I think Brandel Chambly is just one of the more honest people of the bunch. Like A lot of people in media want to keep their mouths shut and keep their blinders on so they keep their jobs. Brandel, is, is he really all that inflammatory? Is he really all that opinionated? And if he's the most, okay. I mean it's like saying Jim Feerick's the longest hitter on tour right now. Really? Really? I mean, okay.
1: I That's mean, why we started this thing. We need some more opinions in the golf world. Everyone's too boring.
0: Well, I mean what, but that, that we all but we also have to legitimize ourselves, because who are we? Like I've read in one of our comments and dozens and dozens of you who are listening to this, thank you again. But I remember one person said it's like listening to two guys sitting in a golf cart talking golf. Or or just whatever for an hour. I'm like, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, we can we can we can work with that. I mean,
1: that's true. But we give good opinions. Not like uh, I find the people on TV. All they do is give the same opinion back and forth. Like, oh, well, the trouble. Very bland. Half the, half the golf personalities on TV have no golf background
0: except for they like play in corporate retreats. I mean, they're all like uh, they all like went to Harvard to get an economics degrees so and now they work
1: in accounting or like they're just like pencil pushers and things like that. They don't golf or have personalities. Oh, that yeah. They are their golf personalities. Yeah, that being said, it's like, that's like saying the biggest
0: fish in the tank is only three feet long. I mean, it's just like, really? That's it? I mean, Brandel Chambly, if you look back to his like golf career or whatever, very, just as quiet. I mean, he's just a very vanilla guy. And, and he stands out because there's really nothing no one else, like and Max Kellerman, I just ignore him, I mean, it's like Colin Coward was the same way, and then eventually Colin Coward grew on me, honestly, I was like, yeah, this guy's actually pretty cool, I, I like his opinions, I mean, fair, 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 fair. <laughs> so, um oh, good grief, yeah, we had a foggy morning on the course today, if anyone saw my uh, Twitter account, probably could only see about 50
1: yards in front of us for the front nine, really, it was uh,
0: pretty soupy, yeah,
1: it's been yeah. pouring here all day, too. Bad weather all around.
0: I don't know, man. Yesterday it got to I played some golf and it was like 90 95 degrees it, and it felt like Colorado sunshine where when 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 I legitimately felt 8,000 feet closer to the sun. Like I'd step outside and I'd, I'd look up at the sun and go, "Ow." I mean, it was like it was it was stinging. I mean, it must it be really
1: brutal fog. playing in the fog cuz I know on tour they they like stop play when there's crazy fog. Fog is
0: is the most upsetting of all of Mother Nature's things to do to me to golf because, and it's doubly upsetting because it's not anything that like makes you wet or makes you uncomfortable. You just can't see, or, or like you can't see, which means you can't. I mean, you can't really. It's hard to play if you can't see. Oh, and number two, you can't see our views. Like we have some kick-ass views. Isn't that what makes a, a golf course high ranked? It's like the course itself and the views around it. I mean, that's I've said that before about California courses. They're lucky they got that fucking ocean there.
1: No, it's true the views are, what people pay for.
0: Yeah. But, um, anywho, uh, the the fog is really, it's it's neat, but it's like, let's just say you were to go there as a golfer every year or whatever, you play there for, like, four rounds uh, for your trip, having one day or one nine holes of fog is fine, but if you're a caddy and you see fog come in, you're just like, okay, I've seen this a dozen times before, and the first 11 times it it actually wasn't fun at all. Like, it turns out it sucked. So, I mean... It, it, it's it's the same reason why like us caddies are like always focused on the job and take the scenery for granted because it's like we're riding the roller coaster for the tenth time that day and you're just getting on your first roller coaster of your life. I mean, it's, you, your senses are being assaulted from just like the sights, the sounds. I mean, hell, it's been a little briny smelling lately too. But but yesterday we were the first group off at 7 a.m. on Bandon Dunes, and my God, it was whew, it was like I was. I think I chugged a Gatorade in 20 seconds, just absentmindedly. Like, I just sat there drinking, and next thing I realized, oh, I'm halfway done. may as well just finish it. <laughs> really? This
1: this is a very random question I just thought of. Who's the best golfer you ever caddied for?
0: Uh, that I caddied for? That'd be my friend Brian Trowbridge.
1: Shout out, um, Brian Trowbridge.
0: I think I mentioned him on the pod before. Um, I caddied for him last December, and recently again, about when we started off the pod, but... um. He's a plus-two handicap, and he he just steps up to the ball and, like, and hits, like, on one hole, like, number eight abandoned dude. He says it's, like, it's a tradition. He always tees up a ball on a can of beer. And, uh, oh, Mike Whalen said, could he be a vampire? <laughs>
1: uh,
0: I got I to gotta stop looking at the phone. There's, there's too much funny on Twitter right now. Um, but um, on two tees, on number eight tee abandoned down the fairway and number four tee Pacific into the ocean, he always ceremoniously, like, Hits a ball, drives a ball off a sixteen ounce beer can, and he pures the fudge out of it. Like it, it turns out, when he hit off a beer can, it does take off about fifty yards. But I mean, he still hits it like two fifty. Like, and, and he always looks at me and he winks at me and says, "The trick is to leave a little beer in the bottom of the can." That's the trick, folks. If you ever want to hit the ball off a can of beer, that's the hard part. But make sure you leave an inch in the bottom of the can so it doesn't blow away. <laughs>
1: that but seems a, fair.
0: Yeah, he. I would say Brian's probably a plus one, plus two handicap. Very good golfer. Like, the first six holes I ever caddied for him, he had three birdies, two pars, and a bogey. I mean, and I remember on his third birdie, he slapped me on the ass and said, like, man, we're reading these putts great. And I said, and I was just like, you bet. And in my head, I was like, I didn't read one putt so far. This guy's just automatic.
1: I mean... Not too shabby. Have they ever had any big-level events?
0: Well, we did... We have had a handful. We've had um, the Curtis Cup, the Walker Cup, um, the USGA four-ball, the US Amateur four-ball this summer was... Not one of the biggest, well, one of the biggest, but not the biggest that we've had there. Um, next year, having the U.S. Amateur, that will be the biggest event
1: that's come through so far. But nothing tour related. Yeah, um, why do you think they don't get anything, or maybe they will? The simple answer: there's uh, there's no lodging. There's absolutely no lodging. In there's the, no room for seats or anything too probably.
0: If you if a regular tour event were to show, oh, they'll figure that out. Who cares? But I mean, if you were to put a regular tour event in uh, Abandoned Dunes. Uh, you take all the lodging in the county, you'll cover the, sta- the press only. I mean, it's just, there's only 30,000 people in this county. It's a very depressed economy, le- very big lack of infrastructure. The only thing be- actually, there's a new building being built in my town, and it's an extension onto a bank, and that's because that bank is an Oregon bank, and their headquarters is in my town for some reason. It just like there's I've not seen any new businesses come in anywhere, and now that the resort has gotten so big and so powerful and, and it's so quality, golfers don't need to go into the town abandoned. Which is five miles actually south of the resort. It's like everything you need from, t- like half a dozen quality restaurants, and people are there just to golf, not to go buy seashell necklaces and like go have local clam chowder. I mean, it's even though it's a lot of fun, but fair enough. But um, but yeah, that was uh, he was uh Brian. He's the best, and actually, he was supposed to come out before Labor Day. I, I te- he kept his excuse because our mutual friend is Scott Milhauser, the head pro over at Bandon Trails, and he said that he was texting Brian the other day, because I would just, uh, he, uh, I'll, I'll just cut to the chase. He said, uh, Brian uh, evidently couldn't find anyone to come down to play, because Salem, Oregon, is only about four hours away from Bannon News. And he kept saying he couldn't find anyone to play, so I just tweeted Brian saying, well, how about you just get your ass down here by yourself and me and Scott will play with you? I mean, and he's just like, yeah, we could probably do that, and he haven't heard from him since. So, Brian, get your shit together. Come on, Oh, Adam. damn it, Brian.
1: <laughs> you sickened me.
0: You, you disgust me. So yeah, uh, Peter Kessler, um, thank you very much for everything. I'm just checking off notes here, blah blah blah. So um, you got a
1: uh, we got an interview that we're gonna plug in at the back end of this podcast. Why don't you tell the folks about that, Zach? Yeah, so actually, one of the guys I used to train at a tennis academy out in Florida, and the, one of the golf instructors there goes by the name of Francis Biondi, and he's turned up quite a career in golf and cooking. So, he's now on the mini-tours for golf, trying to make it big, and he's actually doing a lot of charity work and, like, advertisements for that kind of thing. And then he was actually on MasterChef Season 5, so I'm sure we got some MasterChef fans there, and if not, just suffer your way through it.
0: I need to watch out for, um, uh, how do you say, uh, cooking shows, because I only watch a couple, and then I start getting obsessed. And then my best friend, he's a he's a restaurant manager, so like whenever we're watching TV, he's like anything but cooking shows. Like,
2: oh,
1: okay. Yeah. yeah, and he was one of the featured guys on the on the season. You know, there's always like a couple guys who are fan favorites. He was one of those, so it was exciting yeah. to watch someone you know. And uh, we got some good some good talking in. He gave some good cooking advice.
0: Excellent. Oh, some I behind
1: know. the scenes of Master Chef and uh, his goal to make it to the PGA Tour
0: anything i have to listen to that listen just for that folks that you think you think i listen to this podcast i don't but i listen to the interviews though because uh zach does a tremendous job and one day i will be available enough and brave enough to join him on an interview but as of right now i'm just hoping skype sponsors us because uh as i was telling you earlier i think google's wise to me so i literally went to go make a new email account to go to use on skype skype hasn't really been like Give me the red banner lately, but I kept like deleting it, <laughs> reinstalling it. And so I go to make Jerry Lou, Jerry Lou, pod 17 at g- gmail.com. And then there's one step that says enter a phone number in to send the verification code. Now it used to be or entering email in, but they were just giving me the phone number only option. So I type in my phone number, and a little red thing says, This phone number's uh, been used too much. <laughs> Oh, so now it's Google who got me. I I thought it was going to be Skype, but uh, as of right now, we're still having a handshake, so Skype, Hot Valley, we can go for some sponsors, I don't care.
1: One day, uh, some guy by the name of Jerry Lou who has another podcast is going to go to Skype and try and make Jerry Lou pod, and he's going to be amazed by the fact that like 472 Jerry Lou pods at gmail.com have been invented.
0: There's only 16, well 17
1: so yeah, far, all,
0: there was just a Jerry Lou pod and then Jerry Lou pod 2. Okay, no, there's 16. There were 16 at Gmails for Jerry Lou pods. New so American far. Order. Exactly. When you're,
1: you're listening fun next fun. week, there'll be 17.
0: God, God forbid. Uh, um, do you uh, do you have a Canadian fun fact of the for us? I want to get into the
1: questions, but. I do. So, okay. do you know that Ulaanbaatar is the coldest capital city in the world, averaging negative. 1.3 degrees Celsius for the year. But Canada has the 7th coldest capital in the world, Ottawa. Do you know how cold it is? Let's, let's rewind real quick. Where, what's that first place? Ulaanbaatar, the capital of Mongolia. Oh. Minus 1.3.
0: Okay, when you, the way you said that, I, I didn't hear the first part. I was just like, what the hell, Canada, country, what? Yeah, um, no, for all our fans what, in Ulaanbaatar,
1: sorry for that.
0: Do you happen to have the, uh the latitudinal bearing?
1: <laughs> no, I, I do not.
0: Oh, okay. Right, see, but uh, Ulan
1: Bataar is minus 1.3 Celsius, and this is the seventh coldest. I'm gonna say... I don't, I don't know, man. I
0: don't know Celsius centigrade. Uh, minus 10? Does that work?
1: No. Well, if the coldest is minus 1, how could the seventh coldest be colder? Oh. oh, no, I thought you
0: said the seventh coldest was 1.
1: No, no. The first coldest is minus 1.3.
0: Oh, for God's sakes! Okay, then uh, zero. No, five
1: point five degrees. Okay. See, Not i, that I cold. so
0: I'm so bad with centigrade. I really, really am. Like it's like that. That's only because Americans like are trained in Fahrenheit. But at the same time, it's like an imperial system. It's like yeah, but we use feet and inches and yards for golf, and everyone likes that worldwide. They just they mostly put up with that. But when it comes uh, to like. Oh, my God, that, that just throws me off every time.
1: But Jesus in Christ. in January, the average temperature is minus 14.8 degrees centigrade. Good grief. Do you want to guess which countries are 2 through 6? Let's see, uh, Russia? Russia's 3, Moscow, 4.1. Uh, uh,
0: okay, I'll, I'll say the capital's too if I'm smart enough. We got uh, Helsinki?
1: That's 4, 4.5.
0: We got uh, Oslo?
1: Nope.
0: Okay, uh, how about Reykjavik?
1: Yeah, that's five. Uh, 4.6. I'm
0: gonna. Here, give me a half a point for Greenland.
1: I don't know. I think no, I'd good. be shocked if you get these two. Really? Uh, maybe you'll get it, but. Uh, okay. Here, um, one. Okay. Number two has a relation to a comedy movie. Oh, don't, don't do that. That's uh, that's Kazakhstan. Yeah, Astania. 3.5. Number six.
0: Oh, wait, 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 wait. Stop. Then, then this one's gotta be like Azerbaijan or something. No. Or, uh, You're never gonna or, get um, it. Um. Uh, Uzbekistan.
1: Nope. Do uh, you give up? Georgia. No. Uh,
0: Georgia's a country, don't laugh at
1: me. Yeah, no, I know it's a country, but you're never going to get it. Uh, uh, it starts with an E, the country. Uh, Arab Emirates, I... <laughs> <laughs> No, it's Estonia, Tallinn. Oh, okay, I... If, you, if somebody would give me 20 minutes, I probably would have pulled that eventually out of my ass after Latvia. And really? I would have soon. never guessed Estonia. I would probably just forget Estonia as a country if I didn't read it there. Estonia is
0: like a country the size of Rhode Island above two other countries the size of Rhode Island that's sandwiched between uh, Russia and whatever waters between Finland and Russia.
1: Yeah. That was impressive uh, geography knowledge by you, though.
0: I'm pretty good, man. <laughs> you went 3,
1: 4, 5 right away.
0: Well, I mean, I was trying to think to myself, it's like, well, in the Northern Hemisphere, or I mean, in the Western Hemisphere, what do you got? You just have Greenland and Canada. That's it. And America does not have their capital in Juneau. And by the way, it's not that cold in Juneau, folks. Um, that being said, I, I just thought to myself, well, then just nail the three Scandinavian countries. And then Russia, I mean, Jesus, we pretty much described about 90% of the Arctic Circle touchers right there,
1: so. Fair. Well, thank you. That was That was fun. I appreciate that. So. Shall we get to some Twitter questions here? We shall.
0: Alright, the first one I got here that we'll uh, throw up is... Uh, where is it? Where is it? Nya-ta-ta-ta. Your girlfriend deleting her tweets. Skip <laughs> that, skip that. Um, there he is. It's from my boy Matt Smith. Shout out to Smitty. He's a friend of uh, Tyler Childs. Shout out Childs, to Smitty. Who, uh, Tyler Childs is a co-host with Robbie on the Dinger's Baseball Podcast. At Dinger's Pod. You can follow them on uh, Twitter. And uh, they do a lot of great stuff over there. Hilarious content through and through. Like, I I find myself, I got to kind of stop listening to their podcast sometimes because I want to make ours sound just like theirs, where I'm just like, whoa, 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 whoa. That's their phrases. That's their saying. Stop it. So, that being said, um, I caddied for Tyler and this guy, Smitty. And he had a two part question. I'm going to skip the second part because I addressed it with a GIF. Um, But the first question
1: was Will Brooks sign an equipment deal? Zach, what do you think? I think yes because he wants money, and who doesn't want money? He'll probably sign with some like Jordan Brand or something or something that like, or some company well, the, that doesn't even affect him. What like Lonzo Ball's dad's company? Yes, exactly. Like Whoever pays him the most is like a cool brand. He'll be in. He'll be the fourth Ball brother.
0: How do you, great? Hey, yeah. How do you know? How do you know that he wants money? Like you made that you said that very matter of fact like, well, like, I know I we like, all want money.
1: I feel like he just doesn't care that much about the golf, and he just cares about, like, having a good time. So he'll be like, well, if I can get these cool, like, pure gold clubs, may as well take him. I don't know. See,
0: I, I appreciate where you're going with that, but I, di- I guess I disagree because I look at it like where we, we would have seen that already with him. That's, that's not him. That's the opposite of him, in my opinion, is how big his bank account is. I think he gives, like, four less fucks than we do. I mean, or four fewer, excuse me for the language. But that being said, I, I I just I feel like that that wouldn't be very on brand of Brooks Koepka to sign a deal for that reason. What you said for
1: because he likes slash needs the money or whatever. I mean, it's well, he definitely doesn't need the money. Okay, I hope not. Let's look at here's another good example. It's like why do you think Dustin Johnson's with Taylor Made? Sorry.
0: Why do you think Dustin Johnson? Why do you think DJ's with Taylor Made?
1: Because they pay him the most. But he can... A lot of these guys can play with any of these clubs. It's not like they're making these clubs for him. I also have a hot take that I think some of these guys might have different clubs that are just painted to look like other clubs, because that's what they do in tennis and hockey. Well, that, that's certainly possible, and I know that
0: that goes against uh, what we know with Mizuno, how they made those irons for Kepka. And I do know that the table made driver faces are made thicker on the bottom now because of guys like DJ and everyone wanting to hit it like DJ. But, but then we can think that now to the whole... Like you can hit a cut now and not lose distance. Like that's yeah. just a whole, Like a hook and a slice go the same amount, unless there's wind in your face. I mean, it's it's, it's a weird freaking world we live in. But but it's so a why do you
1: think he though. does it?
0: Well, I'm not. I don't necessarily. I all I was arguing was I don't think he does it for the money. I mean, I think I. I guess it would be one of those things where it's like, shucks. I can't decide if I, I just don't think he will. I guess to answer the question, I don't think he will sign an equipment deal i mean ryan moore played without a, a clothing contract
1: for a while and he acted like an asshole but i, I guess, guess yeah but most players who sign equipment deals or any form of deal it's for the money in general because otherwise I,
0: guess, I, I don't know that that just seems to that just seems too one-dimensional to me that just seems to i don't want to use the word shallow because that can implicate a lot of other negative things that i'm we're not getting at but i mean i just i feel like there's way more to it than just well, it's like,
1: like even money. tiger switched
0: what do you, wait, what do you mean? When Tiger
1: switched to the Nikes.
0: Well, but that was because... That was uh, this isn't a hot take and nobody get all racial on my ass, but that was because Nike owned Tiger. And eventually, you know, yeah
1: he had to play Nike stuff. Or in the and, NBA, as they say, they, they governed had, him. They had to work out so many designs. Did you
0: see how long it took him to finally play Nike irons? And he never got the Nike putter down, ever. I mean, they just... And that's and that's just a hunk of freaking metal milled metal that's it No,
1: oh, yeah but it was because of the money he could have said no
0: but, but I but I'm pretty sure back in the day no like players don't have as much have a lot more rights these days but that they, they, they get that up front they know that the com- companies aren't demanding as much anymore because the second if anyone approached a player like Nike approached Tiger Woods these days that that was a that was a marriage for those two. But any company would say, F off, you're not going to literally own me and, like, contractually, whatever. I mean, and and Dustin Johnson doesn't pick TaylorMade for the money. He makes, like, $5 million a year. He
1: doesn't need money. I mean, none of these guys... No, but neither did money. Tiger. Tiger could have said, screw you guys and just break his contract with Nike.
0: Yeah, but that's... Why would he
1: do that? Well, if he doesn't need the money and he thinks he'll play better with the other ones. You're going way too black and white on this. This
0: is way... Too, you're way too polarized on this, which is fine, but that's not what it's all about at all. It's they the, I mean, the, to be honest, I, I look at equipment deals as it doesn't matter what they freaking play; they're gonna whoop each other's asses no matter. I mean, it's like you can give them all TaylorMade clubs, or all Callaway irons, and they're all gonna compete very, very. Yeah, well. for sure. But that, but that being said, it's just like just because they didn't sign with Titleist d- doesn't mean they didn't need the money. It's not about the money all the time.
1: No, it's not about the money. But if it's a slight the, difference, they'll take the money.
0: Well, of course
1: Tiger. Tiger must have knew he was gonna. It was gonna be difficult to switch. No, but
0: Tiger, the biggest name in golf, Nike, the biggest name in sports. That's a very specific instance that that it, I, I don't want to say can be compared to many other guys like that. I or mean,
1: even like, Justin Rose switching to Hanma. Well, he was, made so much money in his life.
0: Yeah, but but okay, no. There's a good example right there that he switched to Hanma because he did, he can play any freaking sticks he wants. Exactly,
1: to, and. and I don't think Japanese companies give much money because you don't see anyone sponsored by them on tour. I would guess they paid him a huge amount, though, because he was number see, one. See,
0: now this is what started me asking you. It's like,
1: how do you know this? Like, like I, I would I, guess he's paid a huge amount. They're a big company. They seem to advertise a lot. I haven't heard of Hanma till like, four years ago, seriously, in mainstream. I was aware of them, like Yonix. Well, in Japan, though, they're huge. Like, like Mira. Yeah, in Japan...
0: And then in Russia, they have the ballation irons, too, I'm sure. I mean, (laughs) what what are we talking about here? I hate to say it. I don't mean to be very pro-American or, like, Western skewed on this, but if everyone's going to have all eyes on the PGA Tour and the Tour, and that's where the top 200 golfers want to be, the best golfers or whatever, and they know they're going to have the most eyeballs and cameras on them, they're going to come to America. And shitty, stupid corporate America and capitalism plays by that set of rules. So, I mean, it's just... I can't explain why Hanma's not bigger over here. But what do you think like Justin Rose's Hanma's
1: main motivation for switching to Hanma was?
0: I have... That's what... It was weird. I have no clue. I have no clue. I, uh, maybe he's having a midlife crisis? I don't know. I, <laughs> I, I I was actually happy he did so I could be like, well, good. Maybe we can see some Hanma in action. But I need to see a bigger swath of, like, players playing it. Case in point, PXG, if those are really the best irons, how come their eight flagship players aren't winning every tournament? I've said that before. Yeah, well, I, I
1: think, mean, think it's, it's more the, the, the player, player, than player than the club.
0: Well, duh but I'm, okay all right, don't don't bite your tail here. I'm saying that to counter your other point but then you're saying something else is go down another road here. I mean it's
1: yeah no, but that's why the players I think they could very easily change clubs and it might take a little bit to figure it out but in the end the I think lo- the number one player could use whatever major club, obviously not some like shitty wood clubs and they'd still find a way to get back to the top.
0: okay sure okay but here here's a fact though. All the golf balls that all the tour players are using right now, every single golf ball you see hit on TV that's not a range ball, those range balls are actually pretty special too. They're all branded for for what they want. Those, you think the guys who are playing Pro-Vs right now are playing the same Pro-Vs that came
1: out of a sleeve at Walmart? No. No, they're like customized.
0: Half of their bag is stuff that isn't necessarily souped up or engineered, but stuff we're never going to see our eyeballs or let alone get our little dick skinners onto. It's just that the pros live in such a weird echelon. or what, That's why I don't like us having the same set of rules. They play with completely different equipment. I mean, it's just, and, and and they're better, and they're better. I mean, it goes hand in hand. I mean, a lot of the equipment's designed for them. I know this because my new irons are extra stiff
1: shafts, and i got to man up. Fair. Should Sorry. we go to the next question? On to the uh, next yeah, one? I, I guess. I don't... I. I don't think Brooks will get into acu-
0: equipment deal just because it's like, does he need one? No. If he doesn't, he doesn't care, doesn't yeah. I mean, and, and in this day and age, you don't need one. That's what I'm trying to say.
1: Well, yeah, it's they're like, all so rich, that's for sure.
0: And all the guys out of the tailor-made fold, I just look at them and go, good for them. That's like having people all re- advertising for Ford or something. It's just like, Ford's a shitty car. But look, they got, like, Dale Earnhardt there. Okay, whatever. They just to be there. Like, they're both paying each other, technically. I mean, anyways... Uh, So, uh, next
1: question. uh, Is our website sexist? (laughs) Is our website sexist? I would say no, we just have some pictures of really hot girls on it every once in a while. And people like to click on it. So, if you think it's sexist, don't click on it, and then we'll stop putting it up as people stop viewing it. Look, and and folks, I was going to
0: say, golf is about sex, and I'm like, what's that trying to do here? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, goodness. Um, All right, next question. This one's kind of directed at me, and then we'll ask. Then we have a nice uh, wrap up question uh, from John on staff. It gets back to the old uh, tour championship versus um, player of the year thing. Uh, Trevor at TAC, TAC, at boop, let me try that again. Trevor at TAC6TACT, that's T A K 6 tak thats A K, tweeted, he said, Would you want to be a tour caddy and do you pursue it? Would you do similar world tours or just Corn Ferry PGA? Speaking for strictly myself and being a caddy at uh, Banedunes Golf Resort, I would have to make an insane amount of extra money now than I do now to take another job because I'm home every night. I, I don't have to travel. I don't have to worry about anything. The performance of my golfer really only directly affects my mood, and it doesn't affect anyone's bank accounts or like world rankings or anything like that. I mean, I, as much as I, I'd, I'd love to be a caddy on tour. I'm really happy doing what I'm doing. That being said, as I've said many, many times before, the path to getting on tour, I firmly believe, and a lot of people say this too, is hitching your wagon to the right young gun at the right time. And by young gun, I mean somebody who's like maybe freshman in college at the oldest we're talking, like somebody who's still a late teenager. And then here I had that kid a week ago, Cash, that 11-year-old, who I got his folks telling me, hey, uh, can you be his caddy for tournaments or whatever? I'm just like... Well, Jesus, in 10 years, he could be on tour, I could be his caddy, but I'll be, like, you know, like, getting Christmas presents from the family or whatever. Like, that's how I built that relationship, so to speak. I mean, 11's way too young. I did not think that would happen, but kid never had a caddy before, and he played really good, and he really liked me, so whatever. Um, let me, and that's, I would say, though, that you would have to, I would have to, be a caddy on the pga tour full-time if i were to want to leave what i'm doing now and that does speak highly what i do right now i mean that is saying something but that being said it's like maybe if i was single and like i didn't have as much like possessions or stuff or whatever yeah i'd go be a corn fairy caddy tour a, a tour caddy because i mean it's like the cost you know fly by the seat of your pants just worry about where your next six packs coming from i mean kind of sounds appealing on one hand but on the other hand it's like nah. I'm, I'd have to regress to get to that point.
1: <laughs> it's true. It's definitely a risky move, but it could pay off, and it's it's not too bad if you catch on with the right person.
0: Yeah, that is true. So, we'll finish up with our last question here. This is from John Cherepski. He's a, uh, our uh, LPGA writer on staff, and a, and a great chap on Twitter. He's always down to, uh, to rebut with you his, uh, and his uh, Twitter handle I'll
1: just give it here. Is By the LPGA. way, we must be the only people with an LPGA writer so for all you sexist people ha. quit hating on us <laughs>
0: um, You can find John at J Cherepsky at C-H-E-R-E-P-S-K-I His question was Why was the tour champion not the player of the year? Every year I read that the money list excuse me, every year dot 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 i read that the money list ended the week before the tour championship what do you think zach uh
1: so i think i guess part of it could be a little bit of luck like you could win all four majors and not win did he say the tour championship or the what
0: he was saying was how come the tour championship isn't well now that i'm reading this i'm reading a little deeper but deeper but he said why was the tour champion not the player of the year I think he's he's make, making it sound like um they stopped the uh I don't know, do they stop the FedEx Cup points like
1: or, or something like or the voting like they vote before the tour championship? Well yeah, I guess the most extreme you could win all four majors and not even be in the tour championship cuz the points or, or, don't carry over from everything. Sure, and you'll also be the richest guy and well wait, if you win all the majors won't you like destroy the FedEx Cup? I mean No, but you still wouldn't, you still don't necessarily, you might not be in the top 30. Tiger, wasn't it, Shane Lowry wasn't even close. Interesting. Oh, I just thought, uh... Maybe if you win all four, it would probably be pretty close, but let's say you win three. No, it's a good point, because Shane Lowry
0: really didn't win anything else or show up anywhere else. Same with Tiger, so to speak. Whereas I'm looking at it going like, well, if you win all four majors... I thought, in, in terms of, like, the, the FedEx Cup points, I'm assuming that they weight the points for the majors and the, and the tour events the same way. If so, if you win, what, like, wouldn't you say, like, the guy who wins the most events every year is at five a year? That seems to be, like, a
1: pretty good number. Like, we're not in the Tiger Days anymore where you win more than that, but it's, like... Oh, I don't think anyone even wins five now. Maybe three. Three or four. DJ I mean, used to win five here or there, and uh, VJ did it once, and... Uh, and uh, uh Yeah, but let's say you win five anyways. You could still not win the Tour Championship.
0: How many did Rory win this year? Four?
1: Two, I think.
0: (laughs) It's only two? I mean, the players and... I saw he came top
1: ten in, like, well over half.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's... That, to me, is why he won the Tour Championship. I don't know, John, that's that's a really good question. I thought, rereading it, I guess my mind took a different turn. But, um... Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I just...
1: We I would say there's a definitely player. a correlation. The Tour Champion's definitely more likely to win the Player of the Year, but I think for sure you could win Player of the Year without winning the Tour Championship. You could just have a really good season and have a bad two tournaments.
0: Who was the Player of the Year last year on, on Tour? Kepka?
1: I think Justin Rose was.
0: Now, Justin Rose was the FedEx Cup winner. Tiger Woods had the Tour Championship, and I'm hoping... It was that uh, as you're looking up, it was Brooks Kepka one won player of the year because I'm like, boom, we got three different
1: human beings here. Oh, you're right. It was Brooks Kepka.
0: So, Kepka's player of the year. Justin Rose won the Fe- wins the FedEx Cup. Tiger won the tour championship. I, f- I feel like Will Ferrell and, uh, and Step Brothers were really like, hold on a second, hold on a second. You're selling the house. We got to get jobs. We got to go to therapy. What the fuck happened? I mean.
1: <laughs> and the money leader last year was Justin Thomas. So.
0: You know what? I guess, um, John, we're going to have to wait and see how this all shakes out this year because it turns out our FedEx Cup winner and our
1: tour champion is the same guy. So that's going to be. I mean, I'm not going to. To give you uh, Brooks and Rory tied this year with three wins apiece? At the most? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Oh, gross. I thought it was more than
1: that. Two um, years ago, Justin Thomas won five. Yeah, you're right. A lot of years they have five. Well, anyways, you got, you got anything else? We're about to hit that, uh, hit that interview tag. No, I, I, I got one real fun fact because I'm just going through it. Yeah. Do you know who had the most tour wins in 2013 with five? Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods.
0: Yeah. Incredible. I, mean, I guess, evidently, is the only man who can really... Win a lot. Yeah. What happened to Jordan Spieth?
1: He'll be back. He'll be back. Uh,
0: (laughs) I feel this way at the end of every podcast where I'm like, we need him. All right. Well, uh, I guess uh, what we'll try to do, folks, is uh, it won't be maybe on a set day or schedule, but Zach and I will still try to check in on you about once a week, give you some bull crap to. uh, talk about and uh you know what i just have to say to all the haters out there um it's not up to us what you're going to be offended by so um i'm sorry if you
1: think some of us are racist or sexist or whatever it could be hey no one thinks we're racist I did not just put that in there (laughs) i'm saying in general
0: no okay right well well hey hey evidently everyone's telling you were a sexist website because i haven't heard jack
1: that's true
0: So I don't know what you've heard, and I have it, and vice versa.
1: (laughs) No, we just get the same two people on Twitter. All right. Thanks, Molly. Uh, I think I'm going to go troll Peter Kessler and uh, play some more video games and whatnot. Okay, amazing. Go crush it. We'll be back next week. Absolutely, and uh, you can follow me at jerryloumooper1 on Twitter. Zach, where can they find the rest of us? You can find us at our www.fromthebacktees. Go to the About Us. You'll find everyone's Twitter, and hopefully you guys subscribe to the pod, review. We're crushing those reviews. Moving Absolutely. us up to iTunes rank.
0: Absolutely, folks. We appreciate it. We'll uh, see you next week, and uh, make sure you teed up from the back.
2: So I'd like to introduce right now a professional golfer who I've known for some time. He's a man of many talents, not only thriving to make his way on the PGA Tour, but he was also a fan favorite as a finalist on Season 5 of MasterChef. Some of you may know him. Others will learn his name soon. As big things are coming, it's Francis Biondi. Francis, thanks so much for being on. I know we've been trying to get this organized for a while, so it's great to speak with you. Yeah, thanks for having me again. I'm excited to be uh, be a part of this. Yeah, so uh, I guess before we get started, I'll just bring the fans up to date. We actually know each other from uh, summer camp, where I used to play tennis competitively, and I think you were my RA, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I was was one of the resident
3: assistants, yeah, Yeah. for sure. Yeah, we were at at summer camp over at Battle Resort.
2: Exactly, so uh, what have you been up to? What have you been up to since then?
3: Yeah, so uh, I still have that, that golf passion. I golf through alive. from I'm keeping it going here in Orlando, Florida. I've uh, been playing on mini tours for a few years when I moved over to here, to Central Florida, and went out and played some world ranked events out in Europe on the Alps Store. And I've been offered some talent store exemptions for the next season. So I've just been you know gearing up getting
2: ready for some bigger and better events. well, that's great. Before we get to all the golf stuff, I feel like it's pretty important to bring up the numerous charities you've actually been involved with. So if you want to elaborate on that and tell our fans how they could support these causes or whatever they could do to help? Yeah, of course.
3: So after Master Chef, I've gotten recognized for. For being a, uh, a, a somewhat of a food celebrity in Central Florida, so I did a lot of food demonstrations. I started a little catering, uh, catering business, uh, catering to um, the private individuals who wanted to, to uh, taste some of my delicious offerings, uh, some some foods for events and parties, uh, birthdays and whatnot. So I ended up doing a lot of that here in Central Florida, and uh, part of my proceeds that. Um, I would get, would go towards the Central Florida Second Harvest Food Bank. Um, So there's a food bank in almost every big city, and the Second Harvest Food Bank in Central Florida does really good work for a lot of the homeless and uh, feeding the hungry, not only in Orlando, but all throughout Central Florida. So I've been a a part of their work, and I'd like to continue being a part of what they do and just kind of shed some light on on how we could feed not only the homeless and hungry, but also... um,
2: Support, our, uh, support the children, the hungry children out there in America. That's, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, I know we have a lot of fans in Florida. Hopefully people check it out. So I know now you mentioned you're gearing up for Q School. Have you, is this your first time attempting to make it, or have you attempted Q School before? I have attended Q
3: School in the past, and uh, it's definitely not for the faint of heart. It's it's something that I think is more of a, you, when you get to a Q School point, you, you've Recognize that you have some sort of level of skill, and from there, golf. As many people say, it's it's really a game played between between the ears. It's really on your head. So, uh, the first time I did it, I must admit it was uh, I, I did have a little bit of those butterflies. Um, I didn't get them flying in flying in order for myself, but uh, but the uh, the next time I attempted it with uh, with Alpsor, I was able to get conditional status and take that to the next level and play uh, five events out there on tour so I thought yeah. it as a really good progression it's um I would definitely recommend it to any person out there looking to play professionally it's something you have to shoot for you have to keep on your schedule and really look at that goal every day and tell yourself or ask yourself you know one real question is that what what can I do every day to be just a little bit better than the last
2: Exactly. Yeah, I know we've we're pretty familiar with the Mackenzie Tour out in Canada and how you can make it from there to the PGA Tour. What's it like to make it from the Alps Tour? What's like the, Do you need to finish top three or something?
3: So for for full Challenge Tour status, which is equivalent to the old Web.com Tour and the now Corn Ferry Tour, so to get full Challenge Tour status, you have to finish top five in your season. So okay. to give yourself that uh that possibility you have to play as many events as you can on that op store. Um and, and they start in February and go all the way through uh the end of August, uh into October as well. So there are about sixteen to eighteen events every year and I, I hope to be able to play a lot more of those next year as I put my schedule together.
2: Yeah, exactly. I guess uh you've been doing a lot with cooking as well at the same time, so
3: yeah, definitely. I've been doing cooking. I'm, I, I love the fact that uh, cooking just brings people together and ignites people under one cause, especially with the charity work that I, I have been able to do. And I want to continue doing that and and really be able to to get behind or have a, have a, 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 a culinary-branded team behind me to be able to help me realize these goals of not just making it on tour, but also to be able to work with food charities and, and really... Feed the hungry
2: around the world. Yeah, and what would you say in golf? I know everyone talks about all their strengths. What would you say is your biggest weakness in your game? Biggest
3: biggest weakness in my game, mm, I think right now, honestly, I, my putting could be a lot better. It used to be my strength, and it's it's interesting. I'm sure you've seen it with tennis, as you are a competitive tennis player. There's you, it, it, you have to kind of be a well balanced player but it's nice to not have one edge, and putting was. One of my, one of my best characteristics of my game until I started focusing on my driving and trying to get longer in my distance, and I stopped putting hours into putting, and now my putting's fallen back. So, I've, I've learned now that it's not about putting eight to ten hour days in like it used to be. I think you grind to a certain level, you get to a certain uh, handicap, uh, let's say where you're comfortable shooting under par, and now it's all about practicing more efficiently. You're not trying to tie your body out. You're not really trying to find find your swing after you know hitting 2,000 balls a day anymore. Now it's like, what do I have to do to be more efficient in my game? So now I know. Spend a little more time on that putting and less about trying to get that ball out there further.
2: Yeah, exactly. You see a lot on tour now. A lot of the guys are, I guess, especially Brooks Kempka, he's all big about, he doesn't practice. And you got guys like Cameron tring I know he only hits shots, I think, from inside 70 yards all year. I guess he's. Uh, it's all about efficiency now.
3: Yeah, it's very true. Um, when I was out in, in Europe, I worked with a couple of coaches out in the south of Spain. So I got to give a shout out to Nick Lynn, who's with uh, a golf academy called Total Golf Marbella. And Marbella is a beautiful, beautiful town in the south of Spain. Um, they call it uh, that area, like uh, Costa del Golf. You just have, you have about 80 courses um, right in that south of Spain area. Uh, you wake up and you. Overlook the Mediterranean and you get these uh, beautiful beautiful practice facilities and uh, Nick actually helped teach me how to practice a little bit better and practice properly um, we just worked on half shots and learning how to control control the face of the golf club rather than trying to work on full swing mechanics because once you can control the face of the golf club like as you know just like with a small motion controlling the face of the racket you can do pretty much anything so so I've really been working on that. Just working on uh, shots from 60 to 120 yards. Obviously, you got to get got to get within to get scoring distance when you when you have a shot that's under 120 yards for sure. That's what makes about those pros. Um that's that's what makes them pros, really.
2: <laughs> yeah, so I guess how would you describe your game overall and if you had to compare yourself to one guy on tour who would it be?
3: Oh man, that's a that's a tough question. That's a good one. I, Perfect, I, yeah. I I I can't I can't say I hate comparing myself. I don't I don't I don't like to compare myself to other players. So I feel like my game is just it's very it's very individual to me and how I swing is very. Everyone has a different swing, you know. Everyone everyone does something differently. If I had to compare it though, being that I have to answer this question, um,
2: <laughs> you have no I'd, 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 I'd,
3: I'd compare I'd, I'd compare a little bit of my game to I'd say like a Xander. Like a okay. Yeah, is a name that people can recognize now. I've been following him for a while. Um, compared with maybe I'd go with a little bit of, oh, um, man, I like to be aggressive. I like to be aggressive like like Tiger can be. I'd like to think, like when I step up to the ball, the, the, my one swing cut is I just imagine Tiger's full swing. With any club I have in my hand, and if I'm thinking driver and I need to smash one off the tee, my, my swing thought is I, I just I see Tiger's driver swing in my head and I try to like, not a bad copy
2: that to compare yeah
3: right right okay so I mean I I, I wish I could have a little bit of distance
2: but yeah um, I,
3: but I, I I hit a pretty straight ball I, I I don't like to bend the ball a lot I'm not a Bubba Watson off the tee like that. I like to hit a, 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 a straight-to-fade. If I draw it, it's a straight-to-fade line. When I talk about fades and draws, I'm talking about a one-yard, a two-yard fade or draw. I, I don't like to see the ball start ten yards into the trees and and, and you know peel it back into the fairway. But I have that right. shot if I need it.
2: Yeah, that's all. That's what you need. I wish I could hit it straight or draw or fade. I know, as long as it ends in the fairway, <laughs> I'm happy.
3: It's simple, Zach. It's simple. Once you know the basic mechanics, it's, it's simple.
2: Yeah, you actually mentioned how... At first when I started playing golf, driving was one of my biggest strengths and then I worked a lot on my short game and stuff that got a lot better you know, and now the driving is I'm gone.
3: I'm sorry, could you repeat that? I just uh, I lost you. Oh, so you were mentioning
2: you were mentioning before how the putting for you it was your strength at the start and then you started working on other parts of the game and you lost the putting. For me when I started my driving was actually my biggest strength for sure. I was hitting it farther and straighter than I am now. But as soon as we were mm. working on something else, that was it. Yeah,
3: yeah. It's it's good to have a coach that you can trust, and you can you can trust the process that you're going down the line with a good a good coach in any sport or, or or any aspect of life. You have a good mentor, you can trust how they're guiding and leading you, and 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 you start to figure out with your coach how to approach you know your goal, your task at hand. I mean, everyone wants to get longer. Everyone's, everyone wants everyone to be straighter as far as golf is concerned. Everyone wants to make. Um, make more putts. But you know, you have to look at where you are in your game and, and what's your next big goal. If your next big goal is to make Q school and make the first first stage of Q school um, maybe let's say you have it in two weeks from now, I'd honestly say there's no big change you need to be making in your full swing. Obviously you got to your a point in your game where you can hit the fair, where you can hit the green, and I'll just make putts and work on those wet shots. But if you have six months to go to Q school or six months to go to, like, a really big event, then, then you have a little more more, uh, more space, more leeway to, to work on maybe a full swing change or work on a little bit of a mechanic, um, uh, clean up some stuff in your mechanics. But I think all in all, for any tournament-level golfer, any competitive golfer, I mean, if you can spend 70% of your time on short game shots, 30 yards to 120 yards and putting, and uh, 30% of your time on... Your, your, your long game, I feel that would make every golfer uh, a, a better player. you will definitely see see scores drop, for
2: sure. Okay, yeah, and you actually brought up your your goals, so what would you say your short-term goals are, and in the end, what would you say your career goal
3: is? Sure, uh, career goal, definitely I have to answer that first, is the PGA Tour. Yeah. Um, I, I, I've always told myself that. I've always uh, felt that I can make it on tour, it's just giving myself a little more opportunity to do that. So I think for to do that short term wise, I'm going to see myself play some Monday qualifiers. I like that route right now. Um, the Corn Ferry Tour uh, Q School is very rigorous. Um, it's, it's rigorous and it's, it's expensive. Just like you know, just just like other sports, especially tennis out there too. It's it's a lot of self funding. It's a lot of, a lot of uh, exactly. finding sponsors that can back you to. It's it's not as much about like like the, the level of talent because you get to a certain level where you are a good player it's just can you afford playing 20 events in a year or can you only afford playing five and you know those other 15 if one of those hits that could be a, a, a change of lifestyle right there so i like the the monday qualifier route right now as i get ready for the canadian tour as as well as uh european tour so i have, I have two two angles right now, uh, Canadian Tour uh, qualifying school is coming up I believe in uh, February and March of uh, next year and um, and I have some exemptions that are going to be available to me by uh, by May of next year for a Challenge Tour. So I, I have a couple options right now. Uh, right now it's about getting, getting some funding and getting some backers to see if they're uh,
2: looking through in, in Europe or Canada. Absolutely, yeah. yeah, it's tough in golf and tennis. It's the same. You're you're alone out there, and it's all about who could get one lucky break. It seems. Yeah,
3: it is. It is. It, it's good. And, and uh, playing a lot of like little mini tour events and playing tournaments or just playing with people, you can start networking. And I believe the more you play, the more opportunity you give yourself. The the quicker you will be able to realize the goal for your multi set. Yeah, and, uh, I think managing expectations is a is a really big uh, thing that I have had to learn um, through playing a competitive sport like golf. You can't go out there thinking, "Okay, I feel like I'm in 64. I gotta, I gotta have that number in my head." No, you, you gotta just think, "All right, fairway, green, make like a putt." Think about the task at hand. I think that's that's a really big thing that competitive golfers struggle with. And from what I've learned, being around guys who have won multiple events on the mini tours and at events out there on on. Uh, Web. dot com and Challenge Store and Um, The the one thing that people struggle with to get to that next level is, you know, how do I manage my expectations? For one, and secondly, is how do I block out all the noise? How do I not see that hazard in front of me? How do I how do I just think like, it? you know, my perception is reality. If I if I just see the ball going straight, like I can do on a wide open driving range, why can't I just hit that straight ball when the fair is narrow and I've hazard on the left and right? So it's it's a, it's a huge mental game. And I think that this, that's a big hurdle that's, that's, that, that can separate a lot of uh, amateurs from pros. I think Tom Watson said it, said it best in, a, uh, in an interview back in the day when he was, you know, went in a lot of major events. And if an interviewer asked him, you know, like what's, what separates uh, an amateur from a pro? And if he said something on, that, on the same line, just in the fact, like, okay, do, do you see that, that hole out there in the middle of those driving range? like, yeah, I agree. Well, that looks like an easy, easy shot, right? And the guy's like, yeah. He's like, okay, well, what if you put you know, the Atlantic Ocean on the left side and, and trees on the right, and you have a, a, a huge pot bunk in front of that hard three hole. Now, is that a hard hole or is that an easy hole? He's like, well, it's a hard hole. He's like, well, there it is. That's what separates C from me. He doesn't see that. Big golfers don't see trouble. I mean, competitive, really good tour pros don't see trouble. They, they know the shot. It's like you know, track management is so good. You can see straight shots you know you know your your mechanics you know how open or close the face is that impact you know how to control it now so it's truly incredible that yeah it's crazy it's crazy how how much of a mental game it is but
2: yeah I love it I, I love that yes yeah, so I guess completely switching topics here your other big passion is cooking and as I mentioned you were on master Chef. I guess yep what's like experience did you have in cooking before going on that, and like, how would you have considered like rated yourself as a chef before going on the show? Man, so I mean, I've cooked in and out of different kitchens
3: just uh, from from college. I think one of my first cooking jobs was at Florida State University, where I went to school. Go Knowles! Um, I went to school there, and I worked at one of the dining halls um, just outside of one of the dorms that I, I lived at in freshman year. It was a fun dig. I love food. I get to eat for free, <laughs> and I get to cook whatever I wanted. So I love the pasta station. That was my, that was my favorite line. If I could come up with any sauces, any ingredients I want to put in there, they, they let me have free reign. And we, we worked boiler. We worked uh, the rotisserie chicken uh, line. We did salads everything. So I learned a little bit of everything there. But when I went to Florida State, I did a study abroad in, in Paris, and I was blessed enough to be able to take, take that on. And we had uh, about Three days a week where we had no classes. So I decided to learn how to cook at one of the local restaurants. They just let me in the back there, worked on the table for cash, and learned, learned a lot of French, uh, probably a lot of French curse words there, because uh, the chef was yelling at everybody. And okay. it, was, it was great. I learned language and I learned food. So I got to learn a lot of the basics there, uh, learned, took some certificate classes at the Cordon Bleu in Paris. So I really got a good basis of how to cook. Uh, how to take food properly in the in the French fashion. After that, um, came back to college. After college, worked a little bit in kitchens, and I loved being in the front of the house and serving. So I did that to help fund uh, a lot of my golf. And uh, I just always had a passion for food. Um, so getting on MasterChef uh, Masters, you know, it I it was during like a low point in in my golf career where I actually injured myself. Uh, at a restaurant, a wine glass went through my left arm, my forearm, severed my ulnar nerve, uh, cut a tendon, and I was out of golf for about eight months. Uh, during that time, I was—I think I was at a plus three handicap. My parents were coming up the, the day before to come watch me play a big tournament in Orlando. And that night, I, I ended up having that accident. So Instead of coming up to watch me in a tournament, they came up to see me at the hospital. <laughs> where I was about to go to surgery to get it all fixed up. So after that I was thinking myself man, what am I going to do? I, I love cooking. I after some some therapy and rehab on my arm, um I was able to get back into cooking a little bit and um, one of the casting directors came into the restaurant I was working at in Orlando and we talked and uh, they invited me to come out to to audition for Master Chef and you know 4 months later after multiple video submissions and uh, on camera interviews and all this I I was in the, I was sure and it was an amazing experience. It was like, like think of summer camp that that, that you were at and you were a part of, but it, it was for foodies. Like People that were so into food that they, like that was their passion. You know, if they weren't working their other jobs, they were, they could have been chefs. And that's, that's what it was like. It was just cool being surrounded by all that energy, a lot of positive energy from people that just love food as much as I did. And, yeah, that's
2: uh, incredible. honestly, man, like,
3: not to sound too, uh,
2: <laughs>
3: too like, cocky, but, after, after winning one of those tourist challenges, from from like a meatloaf challenge, I really felt, I really felt like I could have been like a real top contender in there. I, I felt like I had some really good skills, but uh, it just wasn't my time to win. So, um, but I had a great experience.
2: Yeah, and, I thought so too. With yeah. Did you know while it was recording that you'd be one of like the fan favorites on the show? Because I noticed. You were definitely one of the focuses of one of the main characters being shown.
3: You know, I did not know that. No, um,
2: it, it's it's funny, you
3: know, when you when you do a show like that, where there's like 15 to 20 cameras on you at all, at all all points in that in that studio, um, you have no idea what kind of story that they're they're building up. All you know is that you have to cook like the most perfect medium rare steak. Oh, you have to come up with some crazy dish from this mystery box, and that's the only thing you're focusing on. Is like, don't like, don't burn the scallops, and and don't mess up the cake. That's pretty much what you're focusing on. You're focusing sort on of trying to get get that get that stuff done. And I have no idea until after watching the show that I would have you know I was kind of like looked at as as one of the like, real top standouts. But you know, exactly, um, yeah. The show, and, and they, they built it up, and and I I, I guess I ended up. Falling down, I and mean, that's that's how that's how it was. But
2: yeah, you screwed up yeah. making said uh, medium rare steak. I guess you get it from Gordon Ramsay. Was he actually is he actually that mean in real life, or is it just I <laughs> think partially a show?
3: You know, it's 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 a it's a show for sure. There's there's some drama that has to be that has to be uh, looked at. Uh, Gordon Ramsay is a great guy. Um, Joe Bastianich and Graham Elliott, the other two judges, were amazing as well. Really cool, really helpful people. Uh, Gordor MD is a really, really fun person to be around. And when you mess up, it's like, it's like a, he, you know, uh, he knows you wouldn't normally mess up something up like this, or he, he knows that it's it's something that just has to be called out. Uh, after being an executive chef like him and working on the line and, and just, you know, watching Hell's Kitchen, obviously, you can see how, how he can be frustrated over, you know, how, how something could be so simple as, like, maybe seeing a scallop and could be overcooked, and he has to call you out on that. So when he called my my mac and cheese, and I don't know if I can I can say this or not, mac and shit um, on live TV, I thought that was pretty hilarious. But good uh, thing that was one of the only things that he didn't like from my cooking, and if you do Google me um, on Master with my name, first name, then then at least it does show one of the highlights that I that I had that I'm really proud of.
2: Yeah, uh, no, for sure. Getting chewed out by Gordon Ramsay though was like a bucket list thing. So. Yeah, for sure. And you have to have happen
3: at least once in your life, right?
1: Yeah. That
3: exactly. so I was, I was, was blessed to be able to to experience that. In the middle of a desert, while prepping for five hundred US soldiers on their way to Afghanistan and you only have like less than two hours of prep. So, I mean they're building it up for a for a huge dramatic uh situation that happened and, and they,
2: they got what they wanted. Yeah, exactly. So uh, my girlfriend actually wants me to ask you if you still watch the show, and if so, who your favorite cast member is. Me and her watch, and we yeah, have a clear favorite. That's
3: tough. I. You know, I was watching the seasons after me, and uh, I haven't been watching this season as much. I, I watched like the first couple episodes. Um. <laughs> I haven't. I haven't. I don't. I can't say that I can pinpoint one favorite because I I wouldn't be able to to. To really, to really know if that is my favorite or give anybody that much credit um, yet because I just haven't watched the show that, uh, haven't followed it that often.
2: Fair, fair. The correct answer That's is Shampoo, awesome. by the way. I don't know if you know. Oh, okay. Is,
3: <laughs> okay. <laughs> we'll have so, to watch now. We'll watch after.
2: Yeah, exactly. Is there anything you learned from Master MasterChef that you think you could use, use to that. help you reach the next level in golf?
3: Oh, yeah. I mean, it's funny because I felt like. I could I could kill a mystery box challenge with Gordon Ramsay, you know, breathing heavily down the back of my neck, a lot easier. I could I could win that and and feel more at ease than making a you know an eight foot putt to to win a big tournament. I don't know what it is. It's, so for the longest time, I was I was trying to like I was trying to deal with that that fact. Like why why does it feel why does it feel easier? Why does it feel easier to me to, to cook something under pressure, under time pressure, than it is just to make a freaking putt? And I kind of learned how to how to how to meld those two together. So I was talking with the coach, and coach was like, "Well, why don't you think about you know birding a par five as like a recipe? So the first ingredient is to hit the fairway. You know, and once you get that done, oh. then your second ingredient is to hit the green." Now, don't think too much about how perfectly you're chopping up that onion, per se. don't think about how perfectly you have to hit this ball. Just hit the ball because you already know how to do it. So I'm trying to put myself back into the the, the master chef kitchen when, when I when I play around a the golf and try to make it more natural for me. Because I can, I used to love just opening up my fridge in college and coming up with random random dishes from whatever I had in the fridge, and I would I would I would make a make a mean a mean dish late at night if I had to I, is wish. Natural food I, I wish
2: I'm <laughs> living alone in Toronto I'm gonna start taking pictures of my fridge and sending it to Like, what do I make oh I know is hey you know I what eat.
3: dude that's not a bad idea I've been thinking about really getting into YouTube and starting up the channel and I don't know like if your listeners would would be able to like, give me some advice on that or, or just hear what they'd like to say but I, I I'm thinking about doing something like that where someone just like <laughs> texts me three ingredients and I'll go out that night and go we'll buy them and come up with a crazy dish and post it on Instagram or YouTube the next day or something like that. Girl, that I really like that thing. idea. Right? Sure. Like uh, we can, put, like, we can start with difference. you. Shoot me a shoot me a picture of what you want me to cook with. Just give me three ingredients and I'll come up with a dish. It's like a mystery fridge challenge or something, you know. Okay, I I'll love come it. Come up with a dish, and I'll like time lapse a little recipe video. I I, I need some I need some kind of like push like that to, to be able to like come up with some some creative. That was good.
2: I like that. I love it. We'll get it going. So okay, then, cool. Uh, my final question for you, which I think I know the answer to, but if, if you could be a pro golfer on the pj Tour or a world famous chef, which would you choose?
3: I'm 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 gonna be that guy and say I want to be both. Oh wow! I, I, I would love to, to be on the tour for as long as I can. Five years would be awesome. You know, if I could win one tournament, and I get you know get some exemptions for the for the years to come. That'd be sweet. But you know, you gotta you gotta think of business ideas. You've Gotta think of other things you're you're passionate about. And I would love to, you know, either open up a franchise or get behind a really good food centric business idea and and try to take over the world because I don't. I don't necessarily see myself as only a professional golfer or as only a chef. As, as you might know now from, from, from speaking with me, like I, I I've done, I mean, I can't say I've been on the PGA tour obviously, but I've, I've played professional world ranking events. I've been on master chef. I have a lot of these other things that still want to get out of me. I, I feel like I want to do it all. And I won't really feel complete until I do it so if I can get there on tour that'd be great and then right from there let's go into a food business and that's what I'm I'm looking at doing I love it that's a great
1: answer
3: there's this there's this one restaurant in Toronto someone told me to go to and I, I really enjoyed it I think it was man it was this cool little spot and and it had like hip hop old hip hop music and it was a small bar and the chef had just these like like little bites and there's one guy who's, like, cutting up pork belly on the side. And I had these, like, amazing little lettuce tacos. I'm trying to think of this name. Oh, when I think of the name of the restaurant, I'm going gonna, gonna, gonna to hit you up on it. And you'll probably you'll
2: probably know it. No, but i have to I go. i I'm I, only just moved. I just moved there this week from Montreal. Oh. So,
3: oh, really? Yeah. Okay. I'll
2: have to okay. go find it now.
3: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'll, uh, as soon as I find out, I'll, I'll, I'll text you. It was,
2: it was amazing.
3: And it was, I, I love that atmosphere. Just, like, old school hip-hop. Some chef's just cutting up some tacos for you fresh and you have like really good like classic cocktails and I like that I like that style, that's, that's what I would I would do, I like to be in the front you know, mixing up the music maybe, making your pork belly sliders and then my buddy's making new cocktails, and I feel like that would be that'd be fun for me to do
2: Exactly, so before I let you go here. Yeah, exactly before I let you go I want to give you a chance to tell our audience anything you'd like to share if you have anything extra and for sure i'll get some get some good feedback on hopefully you start a youtube or instagram account i think that's a great idea but go for it yeah
3: yeah sure so i mean um you know first of all thank you for having me on i hope we can do this again in the future and 100 catch up and and see uh see where everything's been going and, and all that and uh yeah, I, uh, my Instagram is Francis, uh, b letter B, golfing, G-O-L-F-I-N. I might be changing it soon, so follow me on that. Um, and I will be on Home Shopping Network in November as I'll be the brand representative for KitchenAid appliances. I'll be showing off their mixers, um, still keeping my hand in the, in the, in the food passion pot there. Um, So I'm really excited to be creating some content for KitchenAid, um, showing off some awesome recipes using their mixer. That's going to be kicking off in November and hopefully a lot into the new year. So with that being said, I'm going to really look into starting up a a YouTube channel where I can show off all these recipes and people can kind of collaborate with me and and shoot me some ideas of recipes they want to see me make and Maybe even do that whole uh, mystery fridge challenge too. I think that'd be Absolutely. a lot of fun. So right now they could follow me. Y'all can follow me on Francis B e. Um, Shoot me a message. Give me a follow. And uh, and yeah, I mean I'm 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 ready to get this thing started.
2: Absolutely. Well, thanks so much for coming on, Francis. And we'll stay in touch. Like you said, we'll for sure have you on again soon.
3: Sounds good. Thanks again, Zach.